Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm slash partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Realm presents The Witch Who Came In From The Cold, Season 1, Episode 35. Two. The longer Alistair talked, the less Gabe liked what he had to say. Wait, Gabe interrupted, pinching the bridge of his nose. They sat on a bench in one of the parks near the U.S. Embassy. Gabe had just gotten off defector duty, And this was, in fact, supposed to be his break. A chance for him to catch up on sleep and food until he had to return the next day. But then he'd gotten waylaid by Alistair, and now he saw his day falling into ruin. I don't understand. Are you asking me to commit treason? Of course not. Alistair at least had the decency to look aghast. I'm merely asking you to aid the ice. By doing what, exactly? Handing Maxim Sokolov over to the KGB? Gabe shook his head, gave a sharp, bitter laugh. I don't think so. I'm asking you to do no such thing. Surely there can be a mutually beneficial solution to our problem. A way for you to whisk the defector off somewhere so Tanya doesn't find herself in a position to sacrifice all for Mother Russia? Gabe tilted his head back and blinked up at the bright blue sky. They knew. The KGB. They had tracked Sokolov to the safe house somehow. All his team's careful planning hadn't been worth shit. And Tanya... Of course she was the one who had to be involved, because her mere presence was enough to complicate. Gabe went cold all over. His heart thudded. It wasn't a coincidence that Tanya was the one heading for the safe house, was it? She'd probably been the one to locate Sokolov in the first place. The one to figure out he was more than just a defector. After all, she and that partner of hers had found that other one, that girl. Andula sent magic out into the city to find her, isolate her, 
drag her to that frozen death barge. Alistair was still chattering along, drawing up plans to keep Tanya alive, although now his words seemed to drip with menace. Maybe this wasn't about Tanya at all. Maybe Alistair knew Sokolov was a host, and this was some way of getting his ice hands on him. But no, that didn't make sense. If Alistair wanted Sokolov for the ice, he'd have easier ways of getting at him, more direct ways, without having to involve the KGB. This really was about ice solidarity. Gabe even thought he could see a trace of affectionate concern in Alistair's features as he talked about keeping Tanya safe. Gabe hunkered down in his coat, contemplating his options. Alistair was stressing the importance of keeping Tanya alive. I know she's KGB, but she has the sort of magical talent of which most of us only dream. A maestro, really. And the ice can't lose her if it wants any hope of defeating the flame. Do you understand, Gabriel? We mustn't let the flame win. You keep saying that, Gabe said. But at what costs should the flame lose? Gabe understood they were dangerous. Alistair and Tanya had both stressed that enough. But was it worth it to add another person to that row of bodies in a magic-infused barge, drifting lazily down the Voltava? Because it's true, Alistair's voice sharpened. I don't think you understand the severity of this situation. You're too blinded by your own nationalism. Icy river water, his breath condensing in clouds on the air. A row of bodies, each one lying unmoving in the cold. The stink of magic everywhere. Gabe understood the severity of the situation just fine. I don't want her to die either, Gabe finally said. But I don't know what you expect me to do. He looked over at Alistair. How did the Russians find out about Sokolov anyway? I don't know. Alistair looked like he was telling the truth. Nadezhda didn't tell me. Nadezhda, Tanya's partner. Not just in the KGB, but in the ice too. They had to know Sokolov was a host, but hadn't appeared to tell Alistair. Gabe wasn't sure what to make of that. He fiddled with his coat buttons. Gabe, Alistair said softly. There are stronger and more dangerous forces than the KGB. Gabe thought back to Cairo, back to the ritual he had interrupted. Dry heat and watering eyes. It couldn't have been more different than the barge, and yet... The ice are trying to protect you, Alistair said fiercely. Gabe stared at the trees, Alistair's voice like an insect whine in his ear. They're trying to protect everyone. The flame only care about their own. If we lose Tanya, that makes it that much easier for the flame to burn the world down. The ice doesn't want to protect everyone, Gabe muttered. Pardon? Gabe stood up. He needed to take this to Dom, let him know the Russians were coming. He wanted to leave Alistair sitting in the cold, let him deal with his world of magic. 
I'll remind you, Alistair said, that it's the ice who has helped you with your hitchhiker. The flame would never have done so. Gabe's hands curled into fists. He whirled around to face Alistair, who was regarding him with a kind of stony stare that reminded you he really was a spy. It sizzled on the tip of Gabe's tongue, the confession that he'd seen the barge. But he kept it close to his chest. This was not the place, not the time. He knew that Alistair was, in some ways, right. The flame were dangerous. Gabe had a hitchhiker shoved into his thoughts because of the flame. But the ice weren't exactly paragons of virtue either. And if anyone was being blinded by loyalties, it was Alistair. Not loyalty to Britain, but to the ice. He trusted Nadezhda Ostrohina, a fucking KGB officer, over Gabe, solely because she was ice. And maybe Gabe could use that against him. Make him see the Russian ice weren't being as forthright as he thought. It required a sacrifice, sure. But what didn't these days, in this kind of war? Ostrogina didn't tell you the whole story, Gabe said. Alistair stared at him, his face dispassionate. It wasn't the KGB that found Sokolov. It was the ice. What in God's name are you talking about? Alistair said. Gabe shifted his weight from foot to foot, a little dance to help him warm up in the cold. He stopped before he spoke. Maxim Sokolov is a host, Gabe said. Alistair's eyes widened, and for a moment he lost his composure. He was genuinely shocked. Good, Gabe thought, even if he couldn't rid himself of that dull, aching guilt that he'd condemned Sokolov to a fairy tale curse. Are you certain? Alistair said. How do you know? Gabe tapped the side of his head. The hitchhiker. Sokolov said it clanging around the minute I saw him. Morozova and Ostrohina must have sent one of those things they use to track hosts. Constructs, Alistair murmured. Yeah, constructs. That's how they knew where he was. The ice doesn't use constructs, Alistair said. Not for this. But we have ways of tracking. He closed his eyes, rubbed at his head. You're sure the defector is a host? Gabe nodded. I told you Ostrohina was keeping information from you. Not just her. You knew Sokolov was a host, and you kept it a secret. Gabe stared at him. Why on earth would you do such a thing? A second of silence passed between them. The same reason Ostrohina did, Gabe said. Because I'm a spy. Revealing the truth about Sokolov didn't make Gabe feel better about the situation. If anything, it ignited the frustration he should have felt from the beginning, that this magic nonsense was going to screw him. Alistair was worried about Tanya, but Gabe was worried about keeping Ankyses from going belly up. Nadia had her reasons for keeping the identity of the host from me, Alistair said softly. Ice reasons. Gabe jolted at the diminutive. What the hell was he dealing with here? 
This only complicates things, Gabriel. It only makes it even more imperative that we protect Tanya. And now we have to protect the host as well. Gabe snorted. Up until you freeze the poor bastard. Alistair's eyes narrowed. What did you say? You heard me. I know what you do to those hosts. Gabe shoved his hands into his pockets. Anger flushed in his cheeks. He couldn't believe Alistair didn't seem to give a shit that Nadia had kept the host's identity from him. I found your barge. Climbed right on board. Found the cargo. He spat out the last word. Alistair lifted his chin, his expression unreadable. He said nothing. My job comes before the ice. Always has. Gabe looked up at the spider web of bare tree branches. We've got to protect Sokolov, Al. That's how it is. And shoving a Sokolov popsicle into a barge isn't succeeding. He looked back down at Alistair. The West needs him. You know that. What's the ice going to do with him? Put him on ice like he's somebody's dinner? I'm not saying I want Tanya to die, but right now, my job is to help Maxim Sokolov. I see, Alistair said. Gabe pushed his hands into his pockets, turned to leave. He didn't have anything else to say. He'd already endangered Sokolov's life on a gamble that didn't pay out. The ice has saved your life, Alistair called out. You and I both know this. I've already clearly said that no one, not even Nadia, expects you to betray your country. And the barge is a complicated matter. And I understand your concern. Someday, I hope I can explain its reasons to your satisfaction. Gabe scoffed, kept walking. Gabriel, I didn't come to you about a host. I came to you about Tanya. At that, Gabe stopped. He didn't say anything. He didn't look at Alistair. But he was listening. At this point, I don't see how you can pretend that Tanya is simply your enemy. You've worked alongside her. You've aided her. She is ice, and whether you want to admit it or not, you are an ice ally in your own way. Gabe gazed out at the dead, empty park again. Still no sign of green. Still no sign of spring. If you let this happen... If you let her storm your safe house and sacrifice herself to ensure this defector doesn't defect, then the ice will have lost a powerful sorcerer. One whose power, I'll add, has gotten you out of a tight spot or two. Jordan, Gabe muttered. She's the one who helped me. And you, not Tanya. Bollocks, you don't believe that. It was true. Gabe didn't. He remembered the way he and Tanya had combined their strength to take down that golem. He sighed and turned around to face Alistair, pressed his head into his hands. He missed the world as it had been before Cairo, when a woman like Tanya would have only been his enemy, when a defector was only threatened by the Russians. What do you say? Alistair's voice was a low murmur, calm like a nurse consoling a dying man. 
Will you do this favor for the ice? Find a way to stop your boys from killing our girl. An enemy and an ally. Ice and KGB. Gabe could just see the lines of the U.S. Embassy building through the trees. I'll see if I can move Sokolov, he finally said. But that's all I can promise. You're shitting me. Gabe shook his head. Across the table, Dom leaned back in his chair, his arms crossed over his chest. He gave a short, barking laugh. What the hell do you think they'll accomplish, he asked. Busting in on us like that? I don't know. Gabe hadn't, of course, told Dom the entire story. He'd carefully stripped away any mention of magic, of hosts, of barges filled with frozen bodies. But he'd told him enough. Gabe had left Alistair and come straight to the embassy, where he sat down with Dom in one of the spare meeting rooms and laid out everything non-magical that he knew. Well, I say if they want to embarrass themselves, let them, Dom smirked. We've got the firepower to show them that they've made a mistake. Gabe knew he should have seen this coming, this American machismo grandstanding. We still need to move the defector, he said, as quickly as we can. Hope that's good enough for you, Al. Dom considered this. Think that's such a good idea, though? They're probably watching the safe house as we speak. Damn it, Dom was probably right. Even if Ostrohina didn't actually want Tanya to attack, the KGB themselves were still going to have eyes on the place. So we, what, Gabe said, let the Russians blow a hole in Sokolov? We really can't afford to be flippant about this. Dom laughed, slapped one hand down on the table. I like that spirit, Pritchard. Obviously, we'll start working up a getaway plan. While the Ruskies are bum-rushing through the front door, we'll be escorting Sokolov out the back. He grinned. Perfect plan, really. Sokolov gets away, but the Russians can still embarrass the hell out of themselves. Gabe shifted his weight in his seat, glanced over to the window that gave a view of the hallway. Dom had closed the blinds when they came in, but Gabe could see a flicker of movement in the place where the blinds had gotten shoved aside. People walking past. You're putting our men at risk. Gabe said, still looking at the window. Unnecessarily. Not unnecessarily at all, and you know it. Gabe looked back at Dom, who was sitting up straighter now, acting more serious. It could be a disaster if we try to move Sokolov before the Russians show up, Dom went on. If we let them attack us, we've got the upper hand. We'll be ready for them. I'll bring in reinforcements. He grinned, although there was no real mirth behind it. You saying our guys aren't up for the challenge? Gabe scowled. No one should have to die over this. He saw a flash of Tanya's face as he spoke. But yeah, you're right. Moving early could be a problem. So it's settled. Dom stood up, smoothed out his jacket. I'll get the ball rolling on that escape plan. I'll let Sokolov know, too. Get me the location of some alternative safe houses within the hour so we can have them prepped. Gabe nodded, although he didn't move to get up. 
He knew damn well he'd done the right thing for the U.S., bringing the information to Dom. But now he wasn't sure he'd done the right thing for Alistair, for Tanya. Not if Dom was going to have their men play shoot 'em up with the Russians. Within the hour, Dom repeated as he pushed the door open, letting in the yellow light from the hallway. Will do, Gabe said, and he decided in that moment that he would be at the safe house tonight, too. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. remote island in Frigid Lake Superior. A fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. The American Safe House was a ramshackle brick building tucked away in a narrow alley. Tanya slipped through the darkness, her little Makarov pistol held low, Zarena's protection charm pinned inside her coat. Yes, she'd brought it. Maybe it was a stupid idea, but she hadn't sensed any danger from it. And with this situation, her whole career and her whole life about to be blown open, she didn't think it could do any more harm. Tanya was aware of Nadia slinking alongside her, She'd insisted on coming, said she'd be damned if she was going to let her best ice operative blink out in such an absurd, pointless way. And Tanya hadn't fought it. She knew it was useless, that Nadia was going to try to protect her, somehow. They lurched to a stop at the edge of the alley. Three other KGB officers took their positions in the darkness up ahead, and Tanya could only see the faint glint of their guns in the moonlight. She felt sorry for them, angry that Sasha was willing to let others die just to carry out this absurd plan. But they were all low-ranked and loyal to the party, willing to do something desperate if it meant glory. They wanted to be here, as much as she didn't. All the windows of the safe house were dark, save for one on the second floor, its glow thin and muted behind a curtain. No one was standing guard outside, but that didn't mean a damn thing. Tanya glanced over at Nadia, her eyes fixed straight ahead, her hands gripped tight around her gun. Are you ready? Tanya asked in a low voice. It's not too late to turn around. Nadia didn't look away from the safe house. 
We can knock out the others and leave town. You know the ice will protect us both. You'd betray our country. The safe house loomed up ahead. The other operatives were inching closer, ready for a fight, ready to die. Maybe some things are more important, Nadia said. Tanya closed her eyes and took a deep breath. She didn't know if she agreed or not. All her life, she had been trained to do as the party asked, to do as the ice asked. The ice had lied to her. Perhaps the party had lied to her as well, but she'd never caught them in a lie. And her loyalties to Russia felt stronger in this moment as she crept toward the house. And it would be easy to make sure the host was caught in the crossfire. Zarena's charm didn't have to extend to him. Surely a quick death was a better fate than the alternative. Tanya looked at the house. She could hear Nadia breathing beside her. Let's move, she said. She darted forward, her shoulders hunched, her muscles tight with anxiety. The other operative skittered over the cold cement. Was Nadia following? Did it matter? Tanya stopped at the door, lifted her gun. The operatives fanned out behind her, and then Nadia was at her side, smiling bitterly, her gun up. You won't get away from me that easily, Tanushka, she murmured. Tanya nodded at the largest of the operatives, Elia, and he returned the nod, acknowledging, then stepped forward and kicked the door in. The world exploded into noise and light. Tanya ran inside. Her heart beat so fast she could only hear the blood in her ears, a sound like the ocean, nothing else. She didn't hear the Americans screaming in English as they swarmed into the hallway, three of them, all carrying M16s. She didn't hear the rattle of bullets. She didn't hear Nadia laughing as she fired her weapon and ducked into a darkened room on Tanya's left. She didn't hear the blast of her own pistol, only felt it the way it jerked her arms back over her head. The Americans had terrible aim. Their bullets shredded the wall behind her, but she was able to drop to the floor and roll out of the way, firing off shots as she did so. One of the operatives, Sergei, a kid really, just out of school, slammed hard onto the floor beside her. His eyes were glassy and blank. The sight of those empty eyes filled Tanya with a sudden, all-encompassing rage. Damn you, Sasha. She slid up along the wall and fired at the Americans until her clip ran out. And the Americans, all three of them, were lying in a tangle on the blood-soaked floor. The third operative, Yuri, was slumped in a corner, bleeding from his stomach. Elia and Nadia were gone, vanished into the back of the house. And Tanya could hear shouting, feet pounding overhead, the host. She had to find the host. She skirted around the edge of the room, avoiding the bodies splayed out on the floor, and knelt beside Yuri. He peered up at her, blood glistening on his lips, and smiled. You're a lucky one, he mumbled. Their bullets didn't even graze you. Tanya suddenly felt the weight of Zarena's charm pressing against her ribcage. Yes, she murmured. Lucky, you need to get out. 
Find help for your wounds. Nadia and Ilya and I can find the defector. Yuri coughed. Blood gushed from the hole in his stomach. Tanya wasn't sure he could even walk. Find help, she said, feeling hopeless. And then she stood up and reloaded her gun before she followed the sounds of the shouts she had heard earlier. The house was silent again. A bad sign. Nadia could be dead. The host could be gone. All this madness for nothing. Before she got to the stairs, a figure darted out of one of the darkened doorways and raced down the hallway. Stop, Tanya shouted in English. And then she followed, careening around the hallway corner, ready to fire. A door slammed. Tanya ran up to it, wriggled the handle. Locked. She pointed her gun, turned her head away, fired. Something slammed into her, flinging her into the far wall. Her vision flashed black and white. She fired again, wildly. What the hell do you think you're doing? A hand was on her throat. The voice was rough in her ear. She struggled against the grip, and it took her a moment to realize that her assailant spoke Russian, his American accent turning the vowels to mush. Are you Reds crazy? You think this is actually going to work? He flung her to the floor. Tanya rolled onto her back and fired her gun. There was a flash of light and a sudden eruption of noise, like a thunderstorm. Her assailant dropped to the floor, blood pooling over the floorboards. Tanya got shakily to her feet. She had shot him in the forehead, and now she couldn't see his face, only a black mess of blood and bone, and she didn't know who it was. She jogged back over to the door, pulled on the handle. It fell off in her hand, and the door swung open, revealing a long line of stairs plummeting into the earth. A single bare light bulb burned down below, the string still swinging back and forth. Would the host be stupid enough, frightened enough to run into the basement? Tanya descended. A sense of dread swarmed over her, and with each step it pulled tighter, choking the breath out of her. Maxime, she sang out, as if calling a reluctant cat. Maxime, I only want to speak with you. The lie rolled off her tongue and disappeared into the dark space surrounding the light bulb's glow. Tanya stopped at the bottom step and peered around the basement. Was that a flicker of movement? She hoisted her gun. Something was wrong. Not with the basement, but with her. And then, with a gasp, she pressed one hand against her coat, where Zarena's charm should have been, but it was gone. The air rushed out of her. The charm had protected her from the gunfire upstairs. She was certain of that. She must have lost it in the fight. No matter. She just needed to find the host to complete her mission. His death was the easiest way out. Maxime, she called out again. She stepped off the stairs and onto the packed dirt floor. She swung her head around, then stepped past the line of light. She blinked twice, waiting for her eyes to adjust. I only want to help you, she said softly, and Andela's face flickered in her head. Andela, terrified on the street after the construct attacked, 
Andula, frowning in her apartment, about to say yes. Andula, lying cold and still, and only half alive on an ice barge in the middle of the Voltava. It's the only thing that can help you, she whispered, more to herself. Something clicked in the darkness. You're listening to The Witch Who Came In From The Cold, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The Witch Who Came In From The Cold is created by Max Gladstone and written by Max Gladstone, Lindsay Smith, Cassandra Rose Clark, Ian Tregellis, and Michael Swanwick. Performed by Christine Lakin and John Glushevich. Directed by Dennis Keo. Produced by Julian Yap and Marco Palmieri. Associate Producers Corey Barton and Devin Shepard. Executive Produced by Molly Barton. Audio Production by Literati Audio. Audio Editing by Evan Arnett and Fred Koch. Mixing and Mastering by Jeremy Wesley. Original Music by Katherine Anderson. Find more shows like this on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.